0: Welcome to season two, of the Acosta Institute podcast. In this season, we curated interviews with nine educators, community leaders, and practitioners who use their deep understanding of trauma to create conditions for collective thriving. We call them wounded healers, a concept that finds its roots in both Carl Jung's work and Greek mythology. For Jung, the wounded healer represented the sensitivity and understanding of one's own wounds and how this informs helping others to heal and transform. In this interview, we sit with Angela Cariotis, a performance artist, educator, and a director of diversity and inclusion at Brookdale College in New Jersey.
1: At the core of it, I'm an artist, so I write and perform. And I write and perform personal narrative. And I help other people do that too. Not necessarily people who identify as artists, because that sounds awfully transactional. But to get people motivated or into their creativity. I'm a creativity person. So how does that play out? That plays out as... Being an actual artist, a performer, a playwright, writing the kind of things that people will come to see, or being a teaching artist, working in a classroom, a through K-12 classroom, but also an intergenerational classroom space. And when I say classroom, I mean, could be any type of space where people get together to make something and learn with and from each other. I was a professor, I was working in higher ed. Like, I I fell into that. I fall into things. So I learned a lot about that. You know, that kind of space and bringing what I do, creativity to that kind of space because they needed it. And now I work for a community college. I just got this job during, like, a a, a stressful period of, like, trying to find the thing that I'm going to get into. During a state of emergency, like trying to take care of my kids, right? Like this whole, like, what am I gonna do? What am I? And I found this position. There are two things that I do. I'm the director of diversity and inclusion, trying to steward a healing-centered education in this space, and I manage the community college opportunity grant which gives 100% free tuition to anyone whose household income is under $65,000. So my goal is to merge these two very different things to make them one thing and to connect people to resources that they can benefit from and to work with everybody on this college campus to recognize the power that they have to do everything that we can and should be doing. How does wellness play into that? There is something on our campus called the Wellness Center. It hasn't been built yet. It's like space waiting for the brick and mortar, and no one knows what to do with it. So right when they have this space, like I come onto this campus, and everybody's like, well, what do you think we should do? And I'm like, well, the first thing we should do is not call it the Wellness Center. We should call it the thriving center because there's so much, you know, when you think about wellness, sometimes, you know, it it feels like luxury and I'm a working class blue collar person and it's like, who who has the luxury of time and who has the luxury to create for the sake of creating, right? Who has that, right? Because I feel like the word wellness, like the word self-care has been hijacked and commodified and luxuriated, but I'm like, how about if we had the thriving center, Where what we focused on was affinity spaces, racialized stress and higher education, a political, a popular education where students can learn. Like I'm thinking about like, how about if we had the People's Forum come in to teach classes about working class struggle so students can feel validated and affirmed. So it's not about being well in an oppressive system. Like I hate the word grit. And I hate the word rigor because it makes it sound like student success is being able to withstand these interlocking oppressions. And you made it. So what if we offered a popular education to help validate and teach them about these interlocking systems to mitigate the gaslighting that's happening? What if we had drama therapy? What if we had creative arts therapy in the thriving center? What if we had financial resilience and financial capability, not in the finance institute or in the business school, but in the thriving center and connect all of these dots for the benefit of our students? What if we had an innovation hub? I I wouldn't even know where something like an innovation hub would live. But what if we had a maker space where we would have children come in and they can play and they could do this, but we focused on the well-being of the parents and their making Because a better parent, a happier parent, or a seen parent, a supportive parent, is going to directly benefit that child. A healing-centered education, for me, in the way that I integrated into the work, not the only way, not the way, just what I'm doing, centers creativity, ensemble, and abolition, hugged by critical hope, radical imagination, and scaffolded all the way around by courage, So I feel a healing-centered education, healing-centered engagement requires courage. Creativity, because creativity requires courage. Ensemble, everybody plays a role. Everybody has a part to play. Working with others in that kind of tandem requires courage. And when we think about abolition as brought forth by Fred Moten, it is not about the taking away, but of the giving of a different possibility of creating systems in a way that are mutually sustainable, creating the kind of world that we wanna live in. So for me, a healing-centered education is a creative one. So I'm a performance artist, a theater. So think about uh, applied and devised theater. So we're all in a room together. And we're going through a series of experiences with each other and we're generative and then we're iterative and then we're cre- creating all these different pieces with each other could be on a theme, could be on an essential question, could be about something we want to challenge, could be about a piece of policy we want to create. And then we're creating all these different pieces through very active, responsive ways. And these pieces, we're putting them all together into what might be called a script. And then we're working together to bring that in front of the people. There is a great gift in centering your life and yourself as expertise. When we think about knowledge, we think about citation, bound, published, footnoted, shelved, libraried. We don't center personal narrative and lived experience as knowledge enough. I think there is a cathartic experience in being able to document your story. Anything that gets documented automatically becomes fictionalized. What that means is, not fictionalized like not real, but that gives you a kind of creative distance to be able to attend to the story, which means able to write it down, able to edit it, able to receive feedback on it. Right? Like being in that place and being able to make something, not more, but make something with it, have it in a way where you're able to share it, where it can be witnessed. So it's not just your story anymore. Uh, Not that it doesn't belong to you, and not that it needs to do something with and for anybody else. But there is a tremendous purpose in that, to be witnessed. And then you can scaffold an entire conversation or movement or action. And I think that that's healing, listening to each other into the room. Because your story will help move somebody else to consider their story. And data is story. Data doesn't, I don't know, okay, you know, X amount of numbers and X amount of the, But if, if you're able to create a story, then you're able to have forward movement on something. I think story is galvanizing and that's healing because it's release, but it's also joy. Like, isn't that fun? Like, doesn't that sound fun? You know, fun and joy doesn't make something less like you're having fun or you're laughing. It doesn't mean we're being light. It doesn't mean we're not being serious or we're not being like rigorous, we're just not being rigid. So I think that there is a a healing in the process of creativity too, of how liberating it is and experimenting. Like, isn't it a great release? Isn't it healing to not worry about perfection or uh, not having to be right or uh, inviting failure? and mourning loss, if that's what's happening, like mourning the failure and giving yourself permission for that. When I think about healing, like the word healing is rough because it feels finite, like I am healed. So that means like, is that like past tense? Like there's nothing that needs to happen after that? If heal, I look at healing as like uh, a trajectory toward wholeness, We're not being educated. We're being schooled. So there's a difference between education and schooling. You know, schooling is one of those uh, systems that's not changed for many, many, many years. Like we have the calendar that followed the harvesting calendar when kids were expected to like work during the summer. You know, why is school? Uh, 8 or 7 or some like horrendous time it does not that's not how adolescents brains work you can't learn like 745 or 730 in a classroom is not what what, what do you call it the 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 body system your man I, I don't know what it's called but it's like their brains are not awake at that time but then parents schedules and their work schedules are direct in opposition of what school schedules are like, And how could you tell a little kid to sit at a desk and be quiet or walk in a line straight and don't move? Like I can't, and I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about my kids and it makes me sad. And it makes me it makes me sad because I'm like that sometimes, that I am as oppressive as the systems that I wish could change, right? Like, sit still, be quiet, put your hands together. This is what you have to learn. Why is this grade like this? We have to read right now. This is what you, because we're, we're, it's like flying the plane while you're trying to build it at the same time and trying to be there for your kids. you, you, you You know, why does education need this? Because education isn't working for everybody right now. You know, we need a little bit of radical humility to say we made a mistake and I'm sorry and we need to just stop for a minute and we need to change how these things are working. Like the classroom is heated. It's so hot because it tires the students because it's easier to make them to be compliant like that. Like there are little things like that that are like engineered in the day. And then you have like these teachers and I'm on these workshops all the time. I teach these workshops. What are you going to do about your curriculum? What are you going to do about your pedagogy? Here are all these techniques. Art across the curriculum. You know, you know how, how, how are we going to poeticize math? How are we gonna integrate theatricality and performance? Because everybody loves to be on the stage. That's right every it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. How are we gonna bring that to science? And it's not the te- it's really not the teachers. There is no power in that room. Like, where is the power? And it's like continuously passing the buck of responsibility. Everybody needs it, work needs it, design needs it. Uh, Parenting This model This lonely American model Of parenting needs it So education needs it Because so much of our system Requires Education Getting a job Can you believe You're literally Your ability to survive In a capitalist system Relies On education and then you need to, you got to go to college, bat, you know, PhD required, masters required, bachelor's required, associate's degree required. Edu, college exists by profiting off the debilitating debt of its students, but you need that education in order to live. So why do we like we need it? <laughs> education needs it because it's connected to literally everything. And children didn't ask to be born into that. They didn't ask for it. My daughter, who's 13, remember, I slide. I become as oppressive as the systems that I'm trying to challenge. What are you going to be? What are we going to be, right? It's like, okay, because I'm not going to live forever. <laughs> I need to like leave the situation you know how how am i going out like you need to be okay like what are we going to be here you know what are we and she's like i don't what if i don't want to be like anything why do i have to be something she says she's like what is this what is this i don't know what i want to be just she's like don't just can i just live here forever can i just live at home forever i just want to live at home forever She's like, man, I don't want to just, and I can't blame her. Look at the words, hustle, grind. Like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> and I'm a, I am ai grind. Do you know what I mean? Like, I have no choice. And she's like, what is this? You know, she's, she's, she's into it. You know, she watches her shows and she reads her news and she puts her little multimedia campaigns together. She's like, I want to be a lawyer. You know, I want, to, I want to be a lawyer. I want to get, I want to learn how to like, they seem like they have a lot of power and they know how to like manipulate things. And I'm like, <laughs> right? Nobody asked for this. The thing about kids is they're so powerless because they don't, they've not been able to organize. And everybody uses them. It's for the kids. It's for the kids. You know what I mean? They're on the brochure. But they are are people too. But they're a different kind of person. But they are people too. And they're they're treated so badly. Even in the best of circumstances, they're so incredibly controlled. I remember it. You know what I mean? I feel like that's why I love working with kids. Because I remember what it was like to be one. And a lot of us don't. So I feel like kids, if they're going to be stuck all day in something, can we at least make it wonderful? So I started saying, um, what is the problem that you want to solve? Because it's like, I hate that, right? What do you want to be? What are you going to do? It sounds like it's, it's terrible. So what is the problem that you want to solve? That's like my new way of looking at it, you know, so they could dedicate themselves to like the question that they're trying to answer. Like, my little one loves turtles. So her thing is like, you know, I want to save the turtles. Okay, how might, how might we save all the turtles? And that could be like the thing that you dedicate yourself to. And that's cool. But like, yeah, looking at it like that, what is the, what is the problem that you would like to solve?
0: Thank you for listening to season two. We invite you to reflect on the many ways in which you are a wounded healer yourself. We wanna thank Paper Monday for helping us curate these interviews and the photographs that accompany them. We wanna thank DK and Joe Barat for the sound engineering and thank Maria Tan at the House of Thriving for co-producing this season. Stay tuned.